right, man, that is awesome, guys. Feel free to grab a seat this morning. Hey, can I just tell you guys, I love getting to worship together as a church family, man. I get excited every Sunday morning to be together, and I hope you guys are just as pumped to be here as well. Uh, hey, one of the first things we want to do, and we do this every week, is we want to know that you guys are here, not only so we can keep you updated, but in case anything ever happens to happen, we want to be able to, to let you guys know and stay in contact for that and all the other things that are going on here at North Point. So uh, what we're asking is for you to check in. And there's two phenomenal ways to do that. Number one, if you have the North Point app, feel free to bust that open right now. And there's a little screen image that says, let's connect. If you will tap on that image, there's a way for you to check in and just let us know that you're here. You can also text the word. Uh, I lost it. See? Phone died. There we go. You can text guest NCC to 94090, and it's going to send you a text message back with a link just so we can gather some info and know that you're here. Stay in contact every week. It's incredibly, incredibly helpful for us. We also recognize that some of you guys are hanging out with us right now simply because uh, your church is not meeting in person, and we are thrilled to have you guys here. Know that. We are pumped that you're here. Uh, we are glad that you're here for that time until you need to go back to your home church whenever that happens, but we are glad that you're visiting with us today. We also know that some of you guys uh, may be checking us out for the very first time. And so we want to let you guys know about something incredibly important that may be helpful to you. We call it Second Sunday, and it happens on the second Sunday. Yeah, right? We're creative like that. Yeah, it's good, right? Uh, but Second Sunday is a great way. If you are new-ish, to North Point. Uh, this is an awesome way to get to meet the staff, kind of find out uh, what we're about, begin to see if this is a place that you can call home, if this is a fit for you. So we're going to be right between services, right back here in room 102. Uh, you'll get to meet me, Rick, Chris, Amy, all of the staff, ask us all sorts of crazy questions, uh, and hopefully begin to see if this is the place that is right for you. So check us out in between services as well. Uh, one more thing we're going to do today, and that is simply to worship through our giving together, man. So we, uh, we have a couple ways you can do that. If you've brought a cash or a check, you can drop those off in the boxes right there in the back, or you can simply text NCC Give to 77977. Once again, it'll send you a link there for a way uh, for you to give electronically, whether a one-time gift or a recurring gift. And man, we would encourage you guys, man, give uh, not only sacrificially and, and worshipfully, but give thankfully, man. God has provided for us, even in this crazy time, trusting and knowing that we serve a God and who takes care of our needs. That it's not about our hard work, it's not about uh, the efforts that we put in or the money we make. Yeah, we have the abilities, we have the responsibilities to be faithful to that, but ultimately it's about a trust in a God who loves us, cares for us, and provides for us in incredible ways. And this is a way we can worship and thankfully give back to him. So we would encourage you guys, be sure to do that this morning. Uh, Rick's going to come up now and introduce our new series as well. It's good to see you, and it's good to be back on stage preaching. Jake and Chris have done a great job through the last month, haven't they, with Phil? Um, we, I'm so grateful. 
grateful for our team. If you're here for the first time or if you're not, if North Point's not your regular place, you're going, Jake, Chris, who are they? What, what's that about? Some other guy's been preaching for a while, and I get to preach again today. And I'm, I'm jazzed about this as we start this new series. I learned a new word this week. Neologism. How many of you know what neologism means? It's a noun. Um, a neologism is a newly coined word or phrase. It's one of those words that pop up in culture and, and is, has not yet made it to the dictionary yet, but it's a word or a phrase that's commonly used. Google, as a verb, is a neologism, right? We all understand what that means. When you say that I'm going to Google something, um, what that means is that you're going to use a search engine and look something up on the web to try and figure out what it means. That's a Google, as a verb, is a neologism. Here's one that you may not be quite as familiar with. It's also a noun. It's the, the, the word 404. Anybody know what that means? Of, of, um, it's, it's a noun. It's a person who doesn't have a clue. It comes from an error message that you get when you're on the internet. Um, that when you get that arrow that says error 404, file not found, it means that you don't know what you're looking for and you don't know how you're doing it, right? So that's another uh, neologism. Here's one that you may know. It's the word noob, N-O-O-B. It rhymes with the word tube. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, It's short for somebody who's new to an online community or a gaming community that's online. A a noob, it's short for newbies. Some of you know that word. Some of you are nodding your head. Some of you are going, no, I, what, what's this, this have to do with anything? So we start a new series of messages today that is incredibly important for us as a church. And you look on screen and you see this word, woke. Um, I know some of you are, out there are thinking, woke, that has to be a typo, right? It should be wake or wake up or awaken, uh, something like that. Guess what? If you aren't familiar with the term woke, you're a neologism noob that's 404. (laughs) If you were to Google the word woke, here's what you'd find. Woke Woke is a phrase, a new phrase, that means to be aware of your surroundings, especially about political issues, social issues, or injustice. Uh, Some of you now are thinking, oh yeah, I've seen that on some signs that say woke. We've called this series hashtag woke because we're going to challenge you to become um, more aware of something vastly more important than social issues or political issues or even injustice. We hope that through this series that you'll get woke, that you'll be woke, and that you'll stay woke. Let me give you some background. Our mission as a church here at North Point is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. If you've been around for a while, you've heard that. Maybe you've seen it as we started the service. Our mission is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. That comes from the great commission of Jesus in Matthew 28, where where Jesus said, Go into all the world. And make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Our mission mirrors the great commandment.
commission from Jesus. There's an evangelism aspect. Jesus said, go into all the world. And we say, helping all people. All people means all people. It means people who aren't necessarily here in mid-Michigan. It means people who don't necessarily look like us or talk like us or think like us or have the same political views as us. Helping all people go into all the world is what Jesus said. And the discipleship piece, Jesus said, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. In our mission here at North Point, when we say helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus, that's that discipleship piece. It's helping people take next steps towards Jesus. It's helping people understand what, what the calling is that we have as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. Our mission was crafted a number of years ago here at North Point. We don't anticipate that, that it will change. Um, hopefully never, because it, because it expresses that great commission of Jesus. That's our mission. Our vision, how we accomplish that mission, changes periodically. We ask ourselves the, the question... What is it that God has called us to do here in this place at this time? And that impacts uh, the vision that we have in order to accomplish the mission that God has given us as a church. In 2013 and 2014, North Point went through some very difficult times. Many of you remember those years. Uh, The uh, turnover of most of the staff. A lot of pain. A lot of hurt. A lot of pruning. When, when I started here in 2014, I felt like what we needed to do at that specific time was simply to heal. We needed to spiritually bandage wounds. We needed to restore relationships. We needed to rebuild trust. We needed to establish systems and structures that would put us on a path to becoming healthy again. I remember a couple of years after that, I was sitting in a hotel room in Orlando in the spring of 2016. I'd just experienced a a great conference. And I remember in that hotel room, uh, not hearing an audible voice, but having a clear sense from the Holy Spirit that said, you know what? The healing's done. You need to get to work. You need to move forward. You need to begin to make progress for the kingdom. That summer, as we gathered together as a staff, as we talked as elders, that summer, God helped us see a vision of impacting 50,000 people in five years with the grace of Jesus. From, that, from the time that we started that vision, in the, in the, that we first shared it in the fall of 16, and launched it officially in January of 17, our hope was that everyone who would be a part of North Point who would call North Point home, would begin to think in terms of who can I impact with the grace of Jesus today? For some, that meant a change in how they related to their families. For others, it changed the way that they interacted with people at work. For others, it meant intentionally launching a new activity in their life that brought them in touch with people who desperately need the hope that can only come through a relationship with Jesus. For some, it meant channeling their financial resources differently to help meet the needs of others. 
And for some, it meant developing awareness of the need to love servers in restaurants, janitors in their office building, drivers on the highway, difficult people in their neighborhoods, and changing both the style and content of their social media accounts. As a church, it meant that we began to develop partnerships to help feed people who are hungry, both locally and around the world. It meant planning a church and sponsoring children in Ecuador. It meant paying off the medical debts of literally thousands of people that we didn't even know. In a little over three years, we soared past that 50,000 number. We were ready to have a huge celebration of the accomplishment of that vision in our services on the second Sunday in March when the coronavirus changed the landscape of our lives and we worshiped together for the first time, not here in the auditorium, but online. In January of this year, our eldership, some members of our staff, and some leaders here within the church spent a weekend together seeking God for the next step in our understanding of, the vi- of his vision for us here at North Point. We looked at where we've been and how God has blessed the church for 180 years as we have tried to faithfully serve him. We talked about the unique times that we're living in and the needs of the mid-Michigan community where God has placed us, where God has put us here. And we talked about what it might look like to faithfully serve God in this unique time period in the 2020s to fulfill our mission and help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. The vision, if it was from God, would be God-sized. The vision, if it was from God, it would be compelling The vision, if it was from God, would shape everything that we do and transform both the people of North Point and the church body of North Point. We talked about whether that vision would involve a numerical goal that in three to five years would be at a certain number of people, a certain size. That didn't feel right. We talked about a programmatic vision planning churches, assimilating churches that are struggling to survive, launching new campuses. As important as those things are, and they may be things that God allows us to do in the future, that didn't seem to capture what God has for us at North Point. As we talked and prayed, a concept began to grow that we have articulated this way. We will not be a church of people who gather on Sundays to simply learn more about Jesus and the Bible. We must be a movement of people whose lives are being transformed every day by Jesus in such a way that we recognize it and sharing that transformation is as natural as breathing. Transformation that's so evident that conversations pop up like buds on a maple tree in springtime that they occur spontaneously within our families, within our friends, our co-workers, and neighbors. We've experienced a season focused on impacting people with the grace of Jesus. And this new season compels us to tell how Jesus and his grace is transforming our lives right now. We believe mid-Michigan is 
full of people who have, becoming, who, who have become accustomed to living life in a fog, but have a deep desire for the sun to burn through that fog and lift it. The transforming power of Jesus in our lives is the sun that dissolves that fog. We interact every day with fog-bound friends in coffee shops, in movie theaters, in birthday parties, in football games, dentist office, boardrooms, and community festivals. You can tell that we wrote that before COVID, right? Um, but hear this. We want to be a church about which people say, that's the church. That's the church where every person is talking about how Jesus is changing our lives. That's the vision for North Point. What's our vision? Everyone who calls North Point home regularly shares how Jesus is working in their life within their sphere of influence. There are three critical components to that vision. The first is this. You've got to own North Point. There are a lot of people who come to church here that, that talk about North Point and say, Oh, your church is great. We love coming to your church. There's a challenge in this vision for you to own North Point and say, this is the place. This is the place where I will plant myself, where I will serve and grow, where I will invest myself in God's kingdom. The first part of the vision, you've got to own North Point. You've got to see how Jesus is working in your life. And that's what this series is about, seeing how Jesus is working in your life. And you have to share what Jesus is doing in your life. Own, see, share. Own, see, share. Own, see, share. That's the vision of North Point. This new series of messages we begin today, this challenge to be hashtag woke, uh, a hashtag woke church is the result of this new vision that we own and see and share. For the next several months, we're going to be studying scripture to see how Jesus was working in the lives of people in the New Testament, often in ways that they didn't even recognize. But when they did, their lives were transformed. That's our prayer. That's our hope. Today, I want to talk about Finding Jesus when it seems like God is asleep. When God seems to be silent. When it seems like he's gone on a cruise and you're stuck on the shore. Have you ever experienced that? If you haven't, you will. I know I have. I want you to take out your Bibles, if you have them, or open your phones or whatever device you use to read Scripture. And I want to do something I, I don't know that I've ever done before. I want you to open up your Bible or open up your app, whatever it is, and turn to the table of contents. If you're using the U version, it's up at the top and you just click on where, it's, where it has the book and it's going to list all of the books there. I want you to scroll through them and find the division between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the Old Testament begins with, uh, with the first five books, with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They're often called the Pentateuch or the Torah, the, the books of law. And then it goes into books of history, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, uh, uh, Kings, Chronicles, Samuel, and so on. Then come the poetic writings. As, again, as you scroll through there, uh, you'll see um, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. 
And then come books of prophecy, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, um, on down through Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And then the New Testament begins. The Old Testament concludes. The New Testament begins with what we call the Gospels, the biographies of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As best we can tell from Scripture, the events in Genesis creation was somewhere between six and 10,000 years ago. God makes a promise to Abraham about 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus. And about 1,000 years later, 1,000 years before Jesus is born, David becomes king of the nation of Israel. The books of the prophets then start somewhere around 900 B.C., and they go from about 900 B.C. to about 400 B.C. And the Old Testament stops 400 years before Jesus is born. The Gospels begin with the birth of Jesus, within a few years of what would be zero on the, on the uh, B.C.A.D. timeline. Between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and the events that precede the birth of Jesus is a period of 400 years where God appears to be silent. When you read Jewish history, it's a rough time period. The Jewish people, during the time of the prophets, returned to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. They rebuild the walls, only to be conquered by Alexander the Great, and then later the Romans. In those 400 years, um, there's a group called the Maccabeans that rise up and try and break the bondage of Rome. But they're not able to. And even during that time, no one seems to be hearing from God. There are no miraculous signs. As best we can tell from history, there is no supernatural intervention. No parting in the Red Sea. No pillar of fire. No one take up into heaven rather than experiencing death. Nothing but silence. And the Jews who are alive during those 400 years had to continually ask, where's God? Where is the Messiah the prophets said would come? Where's the freedom that we've been promised? Where's the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that through Jews all the world would be blessed? Proverbs 29 says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, when they see how he's working, they're most blessed. There's an incredible event that happens right after Jesus is born that doesn't usually get much attention during messages. Preachers don't preach about it very often, except maybe occasionally at Christmas time. The historian Luke writes about it with these words in Luke 2, chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Pause just for a second. I wonder if Simeon shared that with very many people. And if they said, right, you're, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. It's been 400 years since God's done anything. Right, Simeon. Moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss 
your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul as well. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The nation of Israel was in a funk They had created a system for training religious leaders. They had developed structures so that they could obey the hundreds of laws that God had given through Moses. But those systems and structures had them going through the motions, looking for God but unable to recognize anything that he was doing. And when Jesus appears quietly in the little farm town of Bethlehem, no one but a few shepherds noticed. When Mary and Joseph bring the baby Jesus to the temple to offer sacrifices as the law commanded, there are Simeon and Anna. They've been in the same place every other Jew has been, living within those same systems and structures, but they had cultivated eyes to see and ears to hear. They were looking for how God was working, tenaciously searching like a detective. They knew God had everything ready to go. They just needed to make sure that they didn't miss it. God's silence set the stage for the significant. If you're going through a difficult time spiritually, and it seems like God is hiding, like he's silent... He may be doing the work necessary in you for a whole new chapter in your life and in his story. He may be putting the pieces in place in such a way that it's necessary to get your attention and to take your relationship with him to a whole new level. Chess is an interesting game to play and watch. In the very beginning of a game of chess, there's a flurry of activity. The pawns move, you know, stuff begins to happen, the horses come out, um, <laughs> the bishops do their, do their job, and, and the, the oh boy, fumble fingers. Um, the, the beginning of the game, the beginning of the game is very interesting to watch. But if you're watching a game of chess, when it gets into the mid-game, It can get pretty boring, right? You can fall asleep watching a game of chess. You can actually fall asleep playing a game of chess, right? But when you get to the end, when there are just a few pieces left on the board, all of that time, all of that mid-game time has set the stage for the end when, when one of the players begins to say, check, check, 
check, check, and drives their opponent into a place that the game is going to come to a significant conclusion. The silence sets the stage for the significant. If you're experiencing spiritual silence, you have to trust that God is positioning the pieces in your life just as he did when Alexander the Great created one culture and one language for the world 300 years before the Messiah would arrive. Just as he was when the Romans were building roads all over their kingdom that would allow the message of the Messiah, the story of the Messiah to go all over the world within a hundred years after Jesus' death. Just as he was, just as God was working when Herod the Great, this incredibly arrogant leader in Palestine, rebuilt the temple in a grand way, so that all of the Jews could come and experience what it was to offer sacrifices there at the temple, close to the Holy of Holies. So that when the one perfect lamb came to earth and died on a hill outside of town, that they would understand what God had been doing for those 400 years. When the temple, when the veil in the temple that was 30 feet wide and 30 feet tall was torn from top to bottom, they understood the silence set the stage for the significant. It all began to make sense. So what do you do? What do you do when you experience that time when God seems so distant? Search the silence. Search the silence. Don't be bitter. Don't whine. Don't think that you've been rejected. Don't withdraw into your own little shell. Search the silence. Sometimes in the silence we discover sin that needs to be confessed. Sometimes we realize that we need to repent. Sometimes in the silence, we realize that we are the ones who have stopped the conversation. We are the ones who have left our first love. But sometimes, we've just allowed our attention to be drawn to the wrong things. We've stopped noticing how God is working in our lives. For at least the last six years, I don't know about before I got here, but for at least the last six years in our elders' meetings, the meetings of the, uh, the spiritual leaders of the church, we've started every, every meeting that we have with one phrase. How are you seeing God's working? What, what are the God sightings that you're aware of right now? Every meeting, we talk about God sightings. Why is that? Why is that? Because it's easy to get focused on the business of the church, on managing property and people and programs and problems and to miss the most important things what God is doing how Jesus is transforming lives how people are taking next steps in their walk with him baseball I think is a really interesting game but it can be incredibly boring if the only thing that you're doing when you watch a baseball game is waiting for the pitch to be hit and then see what happens If you're a true baseball fan, if you love baseball, in between pitches, there are a thousand things to focus on. 
For the casual fan, in between pitches, he's worrying about shelling his peanuts, right? Where's my drink? Uh, you know, who are my friends that are talking to? Oh, do you see those other people in the stand? For the true baseball fan, in between pitches, he's watching to see how big of lead that runner on first base is taking. Is he going to try and steal second or not? And then he's watching the pitcher to look for his back foot. Is he going to turn and throw the first and try and pick that guy off? He's, he's looking around and, and, and seeing, okay, uh, if, the, if the ball is hit, who's going to cover second? Is it going to be the second baseman or the shortstop? Is the center fielder ready for an overthrow? Is he ready to back that up? Um, he's, he's watching the batter to see where the batter is getting his signs from. Is it the manager who's in the dugout that's giving the signs? You know, all that stuff. Is it the third base coach? Is it, is it maybe even the first base coach? Where's, it, where's he getting the signs? And what are those signs? Is the manager giving him a sign? Is, is he going to bunt? Is he going to sacrifice? Is he going to hit and run? Is he going to take the pitch? Is he going to swing away? What's it going to be? He's, uh, he's watching the umpires. Is the umpire in the right place to see a play at second base? Is he moving so that he's in the right place to be able to see it? He's watching the pitcher to see... How he's going to pitch? Is he going to pitch from from the stretch, or is he going to pitch from a windup? What's the ball and strike count? The last pitch was a fastball that was high and tight. Is the next pitch going to be a fastball low and away? Is it going to be a changeup? It's going to be a slow curve that paralyzes the batter. A true fan has so much that he's focused on in the game of baseball. Where the casual fan, he's just worried about his peanuts, right? He's just along for the ride. There's silence, and it may seem like nothing is happening, but it all depends on what you're looking for and what you're tuned into. If you're feeling spiritually dry, like God is distant, search the silence. Look for God in the silence. Look for his goodness. Look for his provision. Look for his promises. Look for his protection. Look for his hope. And most of all, look for how Jesus is working in your life. What's he teaching you? How are you responding to him? What's he want to teach you that you're not willing to hear or to learn right now? Be like Anna. Be like Simeon. Search the silence and celebrate how Jesus is working. Jesus told a parable just a few days before he was crucified. This is after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said this to the people who were following him. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Bridegroom, It's describing a custom that happened with weddings in the first century. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy. And fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. 
There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, you go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. Jesus said, be on the lookout, because you don't know when the bridegroom is coming back. But he could just as easily have said, get woke. Be woke. Woke to what God is doing in your life. Woke to God in the silence. And don't be afraid to talk about it. Let's pray. God, we believe you that you hear us when we talk to you. When we pray right now, God, that you hear what's on our hearts from everyone who's here. God, we believe you that you are working even when we don't see it. God, that you're working in the silence, that you're working in the white space on the pages of our lives. Our deepest desire, God, is that you would remove the film from our eyes, that you would help us to see what you're doing. God, that you would, that you would take our attention and put it on you instead of all the stuff of life right now. God, that we would see you and what you're doing because that's what matters. God, may it be so. Change us. Show us. Help us to be able to, to just share that as naturally as possible. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. God is at work. Find him in your life. Have a great week. Can't wait to just dive into the series over the next several weeks. Have a great day. We'll see you.